This is Lewis Riddick of ESPN. You are listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello and welcome to your Steeler Nation podcast, part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network and sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, and the Steelers finally have a new GM. So let's hear it from Kevin Colbert doing his best Star Trekian Ricardo Montalban. I shall leave you as you have left me, marooned for all eternity in the center of the city of Pittsburgh as the new general manager. Con! Con! Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Omar Khan has been promoted sitting on the Steelers for 21 years since 2001, being the major capologist in charge of all of the contracts, making sure the cap has been balanced for over two decades. Now he's moved into the general manager role. It's good. He knows everybody there. He knows the scouts. He knows the system. He knows the front office. He knows the coaches. Does he know how to scout? and pick up talent because this is the first time the Pittsburgh Steelers have now had a general manager since the seventies that did not have a scouting background. So, and we know, we all know he's a cap guy, but what does this mean now? I mean, are the Steelers going to become more analytic based? I would like that. If that happened, I am always into finding new ways mathematically, analytically, to give your team a statistical advantage on Sundays to winning their football games. Patriots have been doing it for decades. Now, the, the, the and Kevin Colbert has been doing a fantastic job of acquiring talent for the Pittsburgh Steelers for the past couple decades. But now we need some analytics to help us out. And we have a new position opened up now under Omar Khan. We have just hired Andy Weidel from the GM. He is now our assistant GM. He is a nuts and bolts scouting guy, player personnel guy from the Philadelphia Eagles. Used to be a VP of player personnel over there. Coming cross state, down the turnpike, down the turnpike, into the city of Pittsburgh, becoming the new assistant GM. So it sounds like this is going to become a group effort. Also hearing that Kevin Colbert may be staying on in some capacity for the next year or two, which I would absolutely love. Let Omar Khan be his own man. Let him be his own GM, but it's so great that he has resources like Andy Weidel and Kevin Colbert to call upon to do the best that he can do to make the Pittsburgh Steelers as best, the greatest team that they can put on the field right now while they're still trying to lock in their franchise quarterback. Um, As we're at this time, let's talk about organized team activity time known as the OTAs guys. So OTAs are not mandatory though. Most players do choose to go to OTAs. Uh, We have a lot of team leaders there, a lot of players, but those who don't may work out on their own. And that happened with players like Troy Polamalu, uh, players like Antonio Brown. They never attended OTAs. 
Um, the first mandatory minicamp will be in just like a week and a half, June 7th. So that is the date that we will know. Is Stefan Tuitt going to show up? Is Deontay Johnson going to show up? But at least on the Stefan Tuitt side, Hayward's been talking. He said he's talked with Tuitt. He expects him to be here sooner than later. Um, Tyson Alualu also said that Tuitt wasn't at OTAs on the first day, but he is optimistic that he will play this season. So these guys are in communication. We know Tuitt has been in the building at certain times, working out, meeting with people, according to DK Pittsburgh Sports and reports from them. Um, also, we just had Chase Claypool come out and state he's not worried about Deontay Johnson at all. He knows Deontay Johnson is balling no matter where he is. He's going to be prepared. Same thing as Antonio Brown. Guy just made a Pro Bowl. He is not going to show up this year and not want to play football. Come on. Contract year. Steelers are also probably going to look to make him a long-term addition. This is the decision. DJ or Juju. This was the decision. Antonio Brown or Wallace. We went with the pass receiver that catches the footballs, that gets the majority of the targets, that does the heavy lifting on offense. A.B. got the contract over Wallace. Same thing is going to happen in this situation. D.J. getting all the targets. D.J. putting up all the numbers. D.J.'s going to get the contract over Juju, which is why Juju was let go this season, though he was offered a contract. He chose to go to Kansas City. Godspeed to you, Juju. I hope you do very well with Pat Mahomes and them down there. Though I'm sorry that Hill left. (laughs) That was crazy because he was expecting to play with Tyreek Hill as well. That's going to put a little bit more added pressure on Juju, and we'll have to see how he does in that system. So the rest of OTAs and the news going on there, we hear that there is a new offensive front five. Left to right, left tackle. Now we have, we still have Dan Moore Jr. He was there all last year. Dotson is now the starting left guard, which he was last year as well. Cole is now the starting center. Daniels is now the starting right guard. So the two guys we picked up in free agency, Cole and Daniels, moving into starting slots at center and guard with Chooks still locking down right tackle. Just can't seem to move out of that right tackle spot, Chooks. But don't worry, you're doing a great job over there at right tackle. We love to see you there. Also hearing reports, Dotson and Green are now competing for that starting left guard spot. What does that mean? I'm going to touch base on that a little bit later, Steeler Nation. But still an interesting situation that we have and something to look forward to at training camp. That battle is going to heat up. We have the quarterback situation. The first rotation has now been released. It is now Mitchell Trubisky as the starter for the first day of OTAs, which was a surprise to me. Mason Rudolph is the, getting second team reps. Pickett getting third team reps. Probably Alodikin getting fourth team reps. Just in order, the way things go. I am not... So I am surprised. I said, I'm surprised that Trubisky is starting getting the first team reps. 
initially first day of OTAs. And I'll tell you why, Steeler Nation. I expected not Kenny Pickett to get the first reps because he's a rookie. I expected Mason Rudolph to be getting the first team reps starting out in OTAs. Why? Because he has four years in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. He's been taking first reps every time Ben's not playing. Ben doesn't take, Ben usually takes a week off every week anyway. So he's getting first team reps every week for the past three seasons. I fully expected Mason Rudolph to be the first quarterback on the field in OTAs. This is a very telling tale to me that Mitchell Trubisky not only is the best paid quarterback on the roster, but he is now being seen as the team leader on this roster. Deservedly so or not, but we're also hearing that he's doing phenomenally with the reps that he has been giving thus far. Also hearing that Kenny Pickett is getting doing excellently with his reps as well and may supplant Mason Rudolph sooner than later for those second team reps. We'll have to keep an eye on that, Steel Nation. Also hearing from our defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, stating that his best football is still ahead of him. He is not satisfied with his 22 and a half sacks. And as a lover of the Pittsburgh Steelers and a lover of Pittsburgh Steeler defense, that is music to my ears. Because this is a guy that is still two Defensive Player of the Year awards behind his brother. So he's trying to make up in his family. And that pushes him to be the best that he can be. Personally, I think he should already have two Defensive Player of the Year awards as it is. I thought he put up way better numbers than Donald, Donald though the previous year. Donald was given it. Still a great player as well. Not going to bash on a University of Pittsburgh guy, but as I said, the two-time should have been Defensive Player of the Year that is now the Defensive Player of the Year. Still hungry. Still trying to lock down his mechanics. Still getting stronger. Still getting better. Cannot wait to watch him play again this year. He was a treat to watch last year. Tying the single-season sack record, and I fully expect him to beat it if he's healthy this year. Now, Steeler Nation, is time when we take questions from Steeler Nation. Come on over to SteelerNation.com. Sign up for the football forum. It is free. Every week, I put out questions to ask for the podcast every Tuesday. You can be one of these great people to come over and ask questions. Sign up. It's free. I'd love to hear from you. I get to just about every question I can. First questions coming from Cooley Man. Thoughts on the chance for the Steelers landing David Johnson for a veteran running back. Now, I would love to have David Johnson on the team. He's an excellent vet presence, pounding running back, ball security, great receiver out of the backfield as well. My question with David Johnson, though, is, is he willing to be a backup? Has he decided that this is the point of his career now, Cooley, where he is going to be a backup? If so, awesome. 
he would be an excellent fit on the Steelers. But we already have our starting running back. The guy that set the rookie rushing record for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Set the rookie pass receiving record in the same year that he set the rookie rushing record. It's a lot of R's. Good alliteration. And didn't put any footballs on the ground. He's your starter. It's Najee's offense. If David Johnson is willing to play in Najee's offense, maybe getting five to ten reps a game and he's comfortable with it, awesome. Blunt wasn't comfortable with it. He got he got the, the, the boot. If Johnson's comfortable with it, I'd be comfortable signing him. I think he'd be an excellent presence on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It just comes down to whether or not he's willing to be the backup at this point of his career or does he want to be the ball carrier. He's going to wait till somebody gets hurt to possibly tote the rock for a team full-time. Next question from Cooley. A well-respected news sites suggest that Dotson and Green will battle for the offensive guard spot. Who wins out? Who do I see as the starting offensive lineman to start the season? Well, we'll just stick with guard um, because I think that's the spot. Dotson and Green are competing there. Now, I am surprised that Green is not competing with Cole for starting center. He was our starting center last year. He'd been working with Pouncey all offseason. I fully expected Green to be in the mix to be the starting center this year. Now, he's got to go back to his guard spot, and he's trying to supplant a player that's already got a year's starting experience in the NFL and played damn well as a backup rookie coming in his first year. I like Dotson early on to win this battle, but if he can get into camp and start battling Cole, he was my pre-OTA call to being the starting center for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. And I'm still not counting him out in that respect. We'll have to see how it plays out. But right now, I would take Dotson over Green. Last question from Cooley Man. Is Cam Hayward destined to be in the Hall of Fame? Now, I will tell you one thing. I think it's very difficult for defensive ends in a 3-4 to put up the stats necessary to be placed in the Hall of Fame. But I will tell you, Cam Hayward is absolutely annihilating it. Last five seasons, all pros. For the past five seasons, he's been an all pro. All five seasons, he's been a pro bowler. Now, if you want to look at another player that I consider Hall of Fame caliber on the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm going to go back to Aaron Smith. It's the closest to highest caliber of play to being an a defensive end in a 3-4 for the Pittsburgh Steelers that I can make to Cameron Hayward. So let's just discuss this a little bit. Uh, Cam has 11 seasons down. Aaron Smith has 13. So he has two extra seasons on Cam Hayward. Tackle-wise, Aaron Smith has 481 combined tackles, 344 solo tackles with two extra seasons. Cam Hayward is four tackles, four solo tackles behind him at 340, but he has nearly 
80 extra tackles combined at 540. That's about where the comparisons end. Tackles for loss, Aaron Smith had 84. Hayward, already over 100 at 101. Force fumbles, they're equal at 7. Aaron Smith has 9 fumble recoveries to Hayward 6. So that's the only stat where they are leading. Aaron Smith, sack-wise, had 44 sacks. Hayward has 68 with two less years to play. Quarterback hits. This is an insane stat and not one that I expected. It's probably because they didn't start marking quarterback hits until 2006. So I will say this is a skewed stat because the sacks are already there on Aaron Smith's record. He's recorded as 26 quarterback hits, which is awfully low. 153 for Hayward. Interceptions, one for Smith, two for Hayward. This is a stat, too, where I just find it being incredible. And this is one where stats have been taken for their entire careers. Passes defensed, 21 for Aaron Smith. So that means blocking a pass or dropping back and hitting a pass. Usually it's batting a pass down at the line of scrimmage. 21 for Aaron Smith. Good amount. Casey, or sorry, Cameron Hayward with two less years has double. 42 passes defensed. Last season alone had nine. He put up his best season to date last year. Nine passes defensed, fumble, interception, fumble recovery, 10 sacks, two less than his league, than than his career high back in uh, 2017. But set his career mark for tackles at 89. Uh, career mark for solo tackles at 53. And TFLs, he's right there. He had 16 as a career high, like I said, back in 17. But he tied his 2015 numbers at 15 last year. Quarterback hits at 17, which is low compared. It's pretty much an average number for him compared to his other previous years, uh, especially his most recent ones. We're going 22, 18, 23, 19, and 17. So his lowest amount of quarterback hits, yet his second highest amount of sacks in the same amount of period. Excellent year for Cam, for Cam Hayward, our defensive captain. And I fully expect him to put up similar numbers next year if he's healthy. The guy is just a monster. He's doing all the things right at the right times, and he cannot be slowed down. So yes, to me... I think Cam Hayward is destined to be a Hall of Fame player in a roundabout way, utilizing the statistics, but yes. Oh, and final question. Got another great question here from Cooley, man. I do love this question, Cooley. Who are my top five non-Hall of Fame Steelers? Now, I'm going to throw Ben Roethlisberger out of there because I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Not going to worry about Roethlisberger at all. Five players that I think should be a Hall of Famer. First one, I'm going to start with Harrison. Just because I think he's pissed off the league enough that he's not going to be getting into the Hall of Fame for a while. Goodell hated him, and Harrison was not shy about his his disdain for Goodell targeting Harrison for being a dirty player, creating all of those rules, 
to work against him, hitting defenseless receivers. Helmet-to-helmet hits when the offensive player drops their helmet to his level, and he's a short guy. What's he supposed to do? The, the, uh, the, the Goodell said, figure it out. It's your fault every time. So I don't agree with that assessment. I know Harrison does not agree with that assessment, but man, was that guy the splashiest of outside linebackers we have ever had. 100-yard play over my shoulder here in the Super Bowl, longest play in Super Bowl history, returning that last play of the half against the Cardinals to turn that game to the Steelers' favor and being the biggest reason other than that excellent, excellent Santonio Holmes catch in the back of the end zone thrown by a beautiful ball by Roethlisberger to ice that game. Um, He's my number one of five that you got to throw on there. Number two, I'm going to stick at the same position. I'm going to stick with Greg Lloyd. And that guy was dominant at outside linebacker, and he was feared across the league. He wasn't hired for his disposition. He was hired to sack the quarterback and put balls on the ground. And he did that with a plum. He was an excellent, excellent player. My first favorite defensive player outside of, sorry, first favorite outside linebacker. Rod Woodson was my always, always my first favorite defensive player watching since I grew up in the eighties. Um, but Lloyd had it all. Absolutely had it all. Uh, my number three pick is a guy who should have been in, in the hall of fame by now. His sack numbers alone, he should already be there, and that is L.C. Greenwood. A guy that has been overlooked on an, on one of the greatest defensive teams ever assembled. I know there's a lot of defensive players in the Hall of Fame from those 70s teams, but L.C. Greenwood deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Completely agree with that. And I will go for my fourth call my favorite receiver of all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A receiver that was a football player more than he was a receiver that changed the game because they made a rule. Because he would crack back players on returns while he was while he was enduring just regular offensive plays when he didn't have the ball. I'm, of course, talking about Heinz Ward. Excellent special teams player early in his career. Killer instincts as a blocker. Best blocking wide receiver to ever play the game. And put up Hall of Fame receiving statistics on a running team. When you had other teams going West Coast offense, putting up those Jerry Rice stats, or going greatest show on turf, putting up those Bruce and Holt stats, Ward was doing it on a team that ran the football first. Usually with the bus. And that should not be overlooked or held against him. Because he still had a thousand catches. He still had 10,000 yards. And he still had more touchdowns than any wide receiver that was up for the Hall of Fame this year. Don't sleep on Heinz Ward. He knew how to get in the end zone. He knew how to win. Super Bowl MVP, the guy did it all, and he would 
He was the most feared offensive player ever. I loved living in the city of Baltimore, hearing them complain about how dirty Ward is. Hearing them complain and worry and have to know where Ward is every play because their star linebacker, Ray Lewis, might get knocked on his butt. Their star safety, Ed Reed, might get knocked on his butt and knocked out of a game. Because Ward's going to come and he's going to hit you as hard as he can on a running play. That was an offensive advantage against great defensive teams. And the reason why the Steelers could beat those great Baltimore teams was because they had a guy like Heinz Ward on that team. Now, my fifth player is a player that we did not mention on Steeler Nation. This is a guy that I feel should be a Hall of Famer, hands down. Hands down. I think he gets a little bit of a knock because he started in the 60s. But he was the first great Steelers center. Was a Steelers center for a decade. And won two Super Bowls. The first two Super Bowls. As the starting center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm talking, of course, Ray Mansfield. He is my fifth guy, Cooley. I think Ray Mansfield should be a Hall of Famer, hands down. And the reason why he gets the knock and Webster gets the gets the check mark over him is because people forget. Webster's got four Super Bowls, right? He's only started two of them. He only played in two of them. Sure, he got the Iron Man Award for playing the most games consecutively being a Pittsburgh Steeler. But it was Mansfield that he was working behind those first two years when he was drafted. He didn't get on the field. It was Mansfield winning those Super Bowls. And that is huge for a team that did nothing but lose. And Mansfield was a part of those teams. Became part of the winning tradition. One of the rare players that made it from the 60s teams to the 70s. Because Noel said he was getting rid of everybody that could not play. Mansfield's one of those guys that could. Ray Mansfield deserves to be in the Hall of Fame along with those other four. Next question from MTC. Striker, I feel the Pens could have smoked Carolina like a fine cigar. What say you? I agree completely. And it sucks, though. I'm a goaltender. Deming had some good games, but he's not winning a series. He's not. It sucks that we had Jari go down. DeSmith is an excellent backup. Fully could win a series in the playoffs. But then he gets hurt in game two. And we had Deming. We tried to bring back Jari. It got to overtime. And unfortunately in the NHL, guys, when a game gets to overtime, it's a coin flip. In game seven, a game seven overtime came down to a coin flip. Who's going to score first? Because that's all that matters. Doesn't matter how the game's been going. Doesn't matter how many more shots the Pens had than the Rangers or how well they were playing. They were outplaying them that whole game. Other than getting a helmet ripped off in that one series, though he should have stayed on the court and put on his own damn helmet. He would have stopped that play. But that's just the way it works out. It was a coin flip. Pens lost that coin flip. I think they matched up better against Carolina than the Rangers, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Rangers are a good team, though, and I'm not holding that against them as well. Young team, excellent scorers, great goaltender. That's a team that we're going to see and have to contend with in the future in the Metro. Is it the Metro still? Or are they called something else? I don't know. 
Next question from Mad Insomniac. So I'm in the middle of a really, really miserable run of luck. I'm thinking of sacrificing a goat to try and end it. Do you happen to have Tom Brady's address? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> More of a statement than a question. Love it, Mad. We're all friends over there. But as you know, his address is Tampa Bay. You got to go to Tampa Bay to find Tom Brady. Ah. <laughs> so good luck with that. Great comment. Love you guys. Go to Steeler Nation Football Forum, guys. We have a great time busting each other's balls. And we also have some of the smartest people out there. Great, great conversations. Great, great discussions. Be part of it. SteelerNation.com. Guys, check out our sponsors at TSEShop.com. Be sure to follow them on Twitter, Total Sports ENT, where we're, they're giving away signed football jerseys every week. Be part of it, guys. Check out the vidcast, usually on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash SteelerNation. Check out the great Western Pennsylvania sports content at DKPittsburghSports.com. Follow the awesome podcasts over at DKPS Podcasts on Twitter. Read our great Pittsburgh Steeler-focused articles at, at SteelerNation.com. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at underscore SN Podcast or Instagram, SteelerNationPodcast. And follow your host, Stryker, on Twitter and Instagram at SNStryker. Spelled with a Y. Why? I don't know. It's the way we spell it. Thanks for joining us for the Steel Nation podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises, part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, G Stryker, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! <laughs>